Well, Cheerio Marys, we are bringing you once again just another free little teaser, a little appetizer uh, of our Drag Race UK recap. And this is of the second episode of uh, Dragtown Abbey. I still don't know the name of the episode. Oh, Downton Draggy. It's that just makes a sense. Little, just yeah. a little crumpet, a little biscuit yeah. for your tea. With a uh, dollop of clotted cream. Exactly. Yeah. Marys, if you're interested in getting our recap of Drag Race UK a week earlier, uh, aligning with when the BBC airs it, uh, yeah, head on over to patreon.com backslash all right, Mary, and sign up for the $5 level to get these uh, episodes a little earlier. Uh, plus... So many backlogged episodes that we have done bonus episodes of various movies, uh, talking about them, talking about the best supporting actresses in each of them. We've done, oh man, so many. I think one of my favorites was Ghost. Uh, we did A League of Their Own. We've done uh, All Right Scary. So we've done some horror movies. And that's what we're uh, doing this... currently. Uh, yes. Yeah, and I, I love doing All Right Scary, you know, because it's just... Um, you know, it's so it's so draggy. So now is kind of a perfect time to become a Matreon because we're doing so much and you're getting so much just waiting for you just on the other side of that kind little $5 donation. Yeah, and the the support means a lot to us. It helps us keep the lights on at All Right, Mary. It allows us to have uh, lots of uh, different experiences uh, and meet special people. Uh, so, you know, just supporting the podcast, even if you're not interested in the Matron episodes, which I know you will become interested once you've listened to a few of them, because uh, there's lots to choose from. But we really appreciate the support. Uh, any, every little bit uh, helps us. And so that being said, uh, why, don't you, why don't we give you a little taste of, you know, what you'll be getting. Here is, uh, here's Act 1 of our recap of Episode 2 of Drag Race UK, Dragity Downtown, Downtown Drag Abity <laughs> Race. Oh, <laughs> uh, not much better. No, not much better. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, Marys. No, Like, I don't have the heart to tell him. I think it's a cultural thing. Do you get what I mean? Right. They're quite traditional then. Yeah. It's just a little different being first-generation Chinese. I was around about 12 years old and I told my dad that I was gay and he just didn't acknowledge it. So we haven't brought it up since. Now, my relationship's a bit weird because I still love my mum and dad, but I just keep this side of my life away from them. So what are you scared of? I don't want to throw it in their face. They'd be like, ah, look, you've got a gay son. Ah, look, he's dressed as a woman as a job. Right. A, they don't know I'm a drag queen. They still think I work as a marketing exec in some company in London. B, they don't know I'm gay. C, don't know that I live with my partner of five years. So having that side of my life completely cut away from my mum and dad feels like I'm not letting them enjoy my successes as well. That's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to go on the show. 
And like the the idea of possibly going home today would be all for nothing in my eyes. My mum and dad, they have given so much of their lives to make sure I had the best chance I could. And all I want to do is make them proud. To be honest, if you want to, if you want them to feel that kind of love and respect for your talent and whatnot, you, you don't even need a show. You're enough, I, I think. So I feel like what's interesting about this something Wong moment is that it's certainly very specific to her experience and her cultural experience and and um, her own narrative. And it's also kind of this universal story that I think we've seen variations of on RuPaul's Drag Race in the U.S., on Drag Race Thailand. I think we've seen different iterations of the same idea from Dragula, maybe a little bit less. But I think it's it's unfortunate but interesting how there is this running theme of contestants who um, their parents have no idea that they're living this vibrant of an other life. Totally, totally. And what I also found interesting was the idea that that's going to change. And it really has only begun to change in the past couple of years because you have these younger queens like Scarity and uh, even Gothy Kendall, just these other younger queens that are coming up that, yeah, maybe they didn't have the same experience like Dahlia Black, right, on Dragula. They didn't have the same experience that people maybe even seven years older than them have had with their parents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that's always the other the other side of it, right, is that, um, and I guess this was kind of her intention, was that, well, this is my way of coming out and this is my way of showing them everything they're not seeing. I mean, it it makes me think of, not that I imagine Louisiana Purchase's parents watching Dragula, but... <laughs> This idea that it, it would be technically accessible for them to see everything that their son is doing, you know, like right. all you got to do is say, like, here, Mrs. Purchase, this is your son, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, what's so nice about uh, this moment for something, Wong, uh, is uh, they they made this Instagram post that just kind of like went deeper into that segment i guess this was something of a social justice corner uh but then got to even speak even further about it that you know obviously not everything makes the edit and i believe in this case something wrong just kind of cut the conversation off but uh apparently you know something wrong did come out end up coming out to uh his parents um, and his dad said, you are a biggest man. You have the courage to tell me you are gay. I have a gay son and I don't care. And if anyone says your son is gay, I don't care because I love you. You are the best son, my first son, my favorite son. And I just think that's beautiful. You have these moments where, uh, you know, we see on the show that was, you know, filmed like a year ago or half a year ago. And, you know, they evolve because of the show, because of the empowerment that the show gives them, the validation that it gives them, uh, not to mention the beautiful moment with Vinegar being like, you know, you're enough. Uh, just someone saying that to you is a beautiful thing to watch on TV. Yeah, and this episode certainly had a, a, a few different moments of that, you know, in the sort of mini Untucked that we have with Blue, mm. um, and then this moment here, yeah, with Vinegar, I... I I appreciate that that narrative is being weaved into RuPaul's Drag Race as well. That those themes that I think are 
are kind of what make the show special is it's not just about the competition. It is about these interpersonal connections and and people being told like you're enough and you're a star and you know you deserve to be here. And even though that may feel maybe a little stale after has so many seasons of drag race and drag shows where we've seen those moments happen before. I think um, I always go back to, you know, maybe I don't need to see this moment, but there's someone out there who does. Oh, completely. And the moment I think I needed to see was Best Supporting Actress Davina DeCampo on the runway, you know, crying out of one eye uh, was just so it was so nice to see uh, that. I don't know, RuPaul not taking the the usual, well, you're here, get over yourself, this is the Olympics of drag, but instead it was, oh no, you are a star, you have arrived, you're here for a reason, while she is you know, crying because she feels like she fell flat and because she's disappointed in herself and she's such a perfectionist, right? It's like, no, you have to remember, you made it here for a reason. Yeah, it's always, I mean, I always love when, when RuPaul puts the kid gloves on because I also feel like that, you know, well, you're here and, you know, just make it work. Like those statements, a lot of that to me is, um, it is a it is a queer version of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, mm. you know? And, and the reality is that pulling yourself up by your bootstraps is impossible. And like, if you actually look into like the, what that actually means, it is impossible. It is physically impossible to do that because <laughs> you are gripping your goddamn bootstraps. And so it's ironic that that, you know, but that that's kind of the expression, but I always feel like that just yelling at someone, well, you're here, just get it into your head. It's like, I don't know. Um, like that approach doesn't work for everybody, and I think um, it feels better to tell someone to do that to to like just pull it together than it feels to hear that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there's some people that can take the wake up six, right? They can take mm-hmm. that, and then there are others where it's like, oh, there's a lot more going on here. Maybe you need a different approach. Yeah, yeah, and I I think that that kind of you know what it makes me think of is. Um, and it's certainly with like entrepreneurs and, and artists in general, but like the hustle culture, like, Oh, you got to hustle. Mm. I hate the word hustle. I think it is. Um, I think they, the cult of hustle is, is very disconcerting. Meaning that you don't have to do everything to be somebody. Yeah. Well, I think hustle, um, it, what is kind of revered with that is, you know, working 20 hour days and all the sacrifices you make and all the suffering you do. And you just got to hustle and you just got to fucking, you know, keep going and go to, you know, you know, grind it out every day and all those like bullshit, like, you know, bumper stickers. But really all that you're really doing is just like wearing yourself out. And like, maybe, you know, maybe that pressure will create a little diamond, but like, what's the cost, you know? And you know, was it worth it? Right. That idea that artists, to be a good artist, you need to have suffered to get your art out there. You know, that idea, I, I think in non-net, uh, she brought it up a lot, right? This idea that to be a great artist, you need to have suffered and your worth is going to happen after you die. Right. And all this, of course, goes back to like the artist's way and that idea mm-hmm. of like the the core belief that all artists are damaged or that they all, you know, you know, writers have to drink, things like that, that we just buy into because it's making space for all of our pain and all of our reasons that we're not creating art. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, something Wong's moment and then even Davina's moment, I, 
you know, when she started crying, like, oh, I was not going to be this person. It's just like, ugh, just made me fall in love with her even more. Her and something uh, just having this moment. Well, you know, and it's funny, though, when when queens say that when they say, oh, I don't want to cry or I don't want to be this person. I don't want to sound like the producer who told Charlie Hyde's that tears equal fans. And I'm not necessarily thinking that, but I feel like that vulnerability or that that opportunity to show who you are or to let down the guard beyond it being good TV. Like it's it's a great it's great for the competition because that's part of it. It's also great for people watching, like you just said, where people connect with you because they're seeing a real moment. Um, I understand it's probably super vulnerable, but I think the bright side is that there's, again, there's so many people who are like, oh, I love you now because I see who you are. Right, right. And that's like Cheryl, right? Because in mm-hmm. Cheryl, I guess in the workroom, she's putting on, you know, the Laganja drag. And then meanwhile, in the talking heads, like, oh, God, the tears in the backwards hat. I'm like, oh, Mary. Oh, God, I just wanted to hug her. I know. I know. Honestly, for me, that one little talking head was the BSA of the week for me when she okay. was like in tears saying like, you know, we're all we're all trying to like, you know, be switched on and, and be showgirls. And like just like ad- I think admitting like I know I'm trying to put something on because I'm on TV with these drag queens and I'm trying to be noticed and like the fact that she could kind of admit that she was doing that and she could reveal the vulnerable reasons why. I mean, yeah, that's when I loved her. Cause I was like, Oh God, I get it. I mean, we've all fucking done that. Cheryl, come on. Totally. And a drag queen to boot, right? You mm-hmm. know, when we're in drag, it's that element of stepping yourself up. Like you, you have to own the room in a way. And if there's, you know, nine or eight other drag queens, basically doing the same thing you kind of get in your head a little bit and you're like all right well I got to do more yeah Uh, and you know it's nice to see that there is some feedback however hot the tea was but there was some feedback to her of like girl this you you, just be you that you're a star just be you and I I kind of love that yeah I like that and I'm, I'm glad that it did not and maybe because Cheryl is a little bit older that it did not devolve into this like Laganja attack of like this is not who you are when you and I hang out like it's not that <laughs> hang again out. Yeah. hang out um, <laughs> that's not the ganja that I know uh, <laughs> so um, like I'm glad it didn't turn into this extended thing also where Cheryl like was you know pulling an ostrich and just sticking her head in the hole, you know, and just being like, I'm not hearing it. I'm not seeing it. You mm-hmm. know, occur. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I, uh, I appreciated, I appreciated her a lot more for taking the feedback. Thank you, Ross. I'll take that on. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, cause you know, of course they go backstage and ready to take the stand is Cheryl for judge Vivian and bailiff Thaga. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, she, I thought she I thought she did well kind of explaining it and then them kind of pushing back and being like, well, no, if you want to stand out, just be you. It's good advice. It was friendly advice. And these untucked or these backstage moments, I'm I'm getting what I want, which is tears every single time. (laughs) Yeah. I also I feel like the Vivian is becoming like the Aunt Lydia of this workroom. Like she is she is just the the matron in charge and i and she looks like especially this week in this bond girl look i can't put my finger on who i'm seeing like there's an there's someone that she looks just like and i can't figure not, it out you mean not grace jones not no no very drag race girl 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I don't know who she looked like. I don't think she looked anything like Grace Jones. Okay. Um, well, I, mean, I was what? getting it from the outfit. But, oh, yeah. yeah. No, okay. every, yeah, no. Sure, the outfit. But I was like, no, not Grace Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking um, uh, in a different direction. Uh, I... You know, I it's, got the uh, princess a little bit because the princess had that hood. It was beyond the look. It's like her face. It's like, oh, okay. um, I don't want to say Bridget Nielsen, but we're going in that direction. You know right. what I mean? All right. Yeah, no, um, I hear you. I hear you. Okay. So, maybe, it'll, maybe it'll come out over as the season progresses. That's what I'm hoping. Like, at some point, I'm just going to realize, you know, Gina Davis, you know, and then I'll... <laughs> they should have just had you and bought a dog. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, uh, Mary, I'm loving these heartfelt moments and uh, the themes of You're Enough for this uh, premiere season of Drag Race UK already. Uh, let's jump into this Downton Draggy episode and tell our Marys what they're listening to. Well, I think anyone listening last week is wondering, oh God, is he going to do the accent again? <laughs> well, Mary, that's another episode of All Right, Me. All right, Mary. <laughs> all right, Mary. Ah, it is our podcast dedicated to all these drag rides, the world of drag rides, and the paradigm. I'm jumping all different regions. That RuPaul's created with this baby, baby, little tight face show. I'm Johnny, and you are rubbish, Mary. <laughs> and I'm Colin, and I'm feeling much better. Uh, <laughs> much better, better. Much better. So better. <laughs> um, oh my God! I it, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling my oats, wheats, grains, thins, and porridge on these, uh, on this, on this British accent right now. Oh God! Um, well, you, oh, if, if that's you, then I'm over here being Doctor No, if you will. <laughs> oh well. Uh, um, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you can't handle that. My octopussy is popping off, bitch. <laughs> oh, God. Well, if, it, if you only live twice, I hope you only live once, Mary. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm giving you the gold finger right now. <laughs> <laughs> if only I had a view to kill. 